As we continue, I say that word often. I, I believe that every aspect of the service is, an, is a, a time of worship from singing and praying and preaching and uh, the offering. So as we continue in worship this morning, now is the time I get to dismiss the children to children's church. And for the rest of us who are young at heart, if I, I encourage you, turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 4. I hope you've been noticing the big chunks of Scripture we've been working through. That's very rare, and there's times where I feel like we, we run over things we could camp out on. And our men know that very well on Saturday morning when we're doing good, when we make it through a verse. We're pleased with the, with the progress, and that's not always my fault, but I am a big part of the reason, I'd imagine. But we have, I just want to I just point that out, so I, I'm in, I am capable of covering bigger passages or swaths of Scripture. That's, I guess, what I'm saying. But this morning, I have uh, four points, and you have the outline of the bulletin. If you looked at that, you know where we're going. And I've, I've titled this, the, you know, Strategic Responses to the Enemy's Advances. What we, what we saw last week was a, as an inventory, really, of all the different people who worked on the wall and how God uses different people to bring them together. And this morning, we look at really the, <clears throat> the starting, the building, what's going on and how the enemy wants to just uh, bring havoc and destruction. And we know that as Nehemiah is, uh, you know, this, this letter is uh, set in here and he's building a literal wall. We see the, the parallel of building into the church. We're not called to build a wall, but we are called to be ministers. So we're charged with the gospel. We're uh, called to pick up a cross to follow, not only that we would build the church, but invest in others. And so we come to this and we realize that just as Nehemiah, will, and we'll read through the chapters, we work through the points here, just as Nehemiah faces obstacles, ironically there is, right, Sanballat, who is married into a Jewish family, and Tobiah, who is, who is a Jew, who should be on their side. And yet they are not. And opposition comes from, in essence, right? One of our own, if you will. But ultimately, we understand that there is right, a, an enemy. We have a real enemy. The Bible doesn't try to prove to you Satan exists. He just tells you. The Bible tells you this is the reality. You wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. That is, that is what you, right, part of following and picking up that cross, this is what is also part of, of your life on this earth, walking after the Savior, is you are in a battle. I'd love to tell you otherwise, but that's the reality. And yet we know greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And we have no reason to fear. But often we have, I think, and, and I don't want to camp out on this too much, but in our own walk, too often we've believed the lies. We've, we've settled for, as I've said and pointed out to the Jews, or just the wall's broken down. It is what it is. This is my life. This is as good as it's going to get. This is as holy as I can be, or whatever we might say. And we, we fall short of what the Lord is actually doing in us and doing through us. And so I pray this message challenges you. To not be one who is, who is marked as, well, you know, someone else will do it, or, um, you know, this is just all I've got. There was a story of a man who had shared a dream that he had, and he, he was walking in his hometown in his dream, and he, he walked across the building of where his church assembles. And he realized that there was a devil on top of the building on the roof sleeping. <laughs> 
And he thought that's pretty odd and strange. And he continues on as he shared his dream that he went down and he saw through the neighborhoods, he saw this one house where there were many devils outside walking around the house, alive and active. And so in his dream, he had, he had talked to one of the devils. He had asked, you know, what, is, what is happening? I, I went past the church building, and I saw one there sleeping, and here a bunch of you are hanging out. What's, what's happening? And in his dream, he said, the devil responded and said, well, at the church, there's not much going on for the work of the Lord there. We really don't even need a guy. Half the time, he's sleeping. But he said, around this home, around this family, are people who commune with God. And they pray and they take their walk seriously. There is much we have to oppose here. See, if that's the reality of Scripture, and of course he's sharing his dream, and we can call that what it is, but the reality is the devil isn't going to put much effort forward if we're going to sit on our hands. Too many of us as Christians have a sword, but it's tarnished and full of rust. And if we had to pull it from its sheath, we're not sure what we would do with it. Use it to open letters maybe, right? That would work. But this is what we see in Nehemiah's responses. There's a way in which the enemy is going to get at you and discourage you. And we realize that we're going to struggle not against flesh and blood, but they represent themselves through people. And we see in this simple, there's four things here that, that I believe that would make you much wiser if you think upon what is happening and the reality of what's going on. So before we get into this text, let me offer a brief prayer. The Lord would, would his, by his spirit, open it to us. Lord, we, we thank you for this privilege and opportunity in which to look to your word. But Lord, it's, it's our desire not to simply hear and simply understand. We want to heed we want to see your word come in action to our lives. We do not want to be those who are marked as passive, who are sitting on our hands. We don't want to be a church that simply has one devil outside sleeping half the time. And Lord, it's not to those ends. That's not our goal is to see them awake, but Lord, to realize that we are in a war. Unless, and with, Lord, your confidence and with your spirit, we would go forward and trust that you are with us. So, Father, bless this, this passage of Scripture. Open it to us. And, Lord, get me out of the way that we'd receive, that we'd be challenged by your Spirit. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I mentioned earlier, your persecution for the Christian life, that that's, comes with the territory. And we should realize that if we're not living a holy life, just being and pursuing holiness uh, sets you apart from the culture. It sets you against the grain of the culture. It sets you away of the ideology of the culture. Remember, the, the culture says, right, so the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, right, the lust of the flesh. These things are what the, the, the culture sells. That's its currency. And if you're the one who's saying, I'm not, I'm not utilizing that currency, I am actually living uh, as the Lord God is my God, I'm following the first four commandments. I'm going to not bow down to anyone else. I'm not going to use his name in, in vain. I'm not going to attach uh, the integrity of who my God is to any type of idol or, or substitute anything for him. And on his, on his day, I will assemble, as David says, with a great congregation. I'm marked with those people. That automatically sets you uh, apart from the world. 
Right? You're different. And I've said that many times through the looking at the commandments that you're to be different people. See, when we do that, then we start to tell others why I follow this God and who this Savior is. And we begin to, to spill out right, the plan of salvation to those. Well, there is an enemy, a real enemy, that does not want to hear that. So for us, as we interact, as we live, as we face opposition, are we ready, right, to continue the fight? Are we just going to, you know, the first uh, uh, accusation or the first attack, are we just going to go, you know what, let's put the sword back in the sheath and let's hide it in the closet? That's a challenge for each and every one of us. Or are we going to say, you know what, we'll war someplace else. We'll continue the battle. Well, we'll see in this passage, right, that Satan has, he has ways in which he wants to just discourage you, knock you down, get you off your stride, get you focused on the wrong things. And it continually we see Nehemiah respond, right, guided by God, guided by the Holy Spirit in a way that is right and proper. We, we realize as we pick up this passage, news of the, of the wall being built is uh, not pleasing to Sanballat and Tobiah who are... Uh, who are receiving the news. We'll learn here in a moment that they are completely frustrated and very angry at what is happening. And so this leads to my first point. There's going to be accusations. You stand for Christ, you're going to be accused. Let me read verses 1 through 6, chapter 4. Now it came about when, that when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and very angry, and he mocked the Jews. Remember, Sambalat is married into the family. He's married into a Jewish family. So he has no regard for God's people. He spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria, and he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish it in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burned ones? Now Tobiah, the Ammonite, was near him, and he said, even, even what they are building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break the stone wall down. What a shot at their craftsmanship, right? Bam. Listen to Nehemiah's prayer. Hear, O our God, how we are despised. Return their reproach on their own heads and give them up for plunder in the land of captivity. Do not forgive their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out before you, for they have, they have demoralized the builders. And in verse 6, So we built the wall, and the whole wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Doesn't that sound very similar to David's psalm that we just read, isn't it? Lord, take what they're doing, use it on them. So we see in this first point, right, accusations are to be met with prayer. We see this, this growing agitation, right, with these two. We see in chapter 2, verse 10, that they were very displeased, Sambalat and Tobiah. And in chapter 2, verse 19, they begin to mock and despise. Here they're furious and very angry. And there's something that has just got in their galls. And how dare you rebuild this wall? 
So they're accusing. They've got a whole list of things. They've got some names, these feeble Jews. They can restore it for themselves. Are they going to offer sacrifice? I mean, you see the list and imagine it's probably a lot more than what is recorded for us. And I want to point out to you that this is a satanic tactic. We see in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, speaking of Satan, that he is the accuser of our brethren. And in that verse, he goes on and says, he accuses them before our God day and night. Now, notice here in Revelation 12, verse 10, that our accuser is this day and night. We will see later in this passage them standing guard day and night. Point that out. Now again, Tobiah here, right? He said, you know, if a fox jumps on this wall, it'll be knocked down. Right? You can imagine the men building on the wall in that section. Took a little insult to that, right? <clears throat> but that doesn't stop them. But here's the point we got to realize. Isn't there some element of truth here? In every accusation, there's something there that most likely you will go, well, they're probably right. Maybe some of them did think, I am not the strongest guy out here. I am a little feeble. Maybe they thought, well, yeah, we can't complete this in a day. This is a little bit overwhelming. I don't know if we'll ever get this thing done. Yeah, you're right. We don't have the best materials. But here's what we have to realize. This is a good principle for us as we live our lives, that accusations, when they come, even though they try to discourage us, they're omitting. Even though they have some truth, they're omitting a greater truth. And that truth is who you are in Christ Jesus. Remember, right? And Nehemiah will remind them later who is awesome and who is with them. Remember, this is a calling of God. God has laid this upon him. He has legal right to move forward. He has uh, the king of God has turned the heart of king of Persia, right? all of these things. But it's easy for us to forget that when an accusation comes, a little bit of truth. Yeah, I'm not the sharpest, smartest guy. Yeah, I'm not the strongest guy. Yeah, I'm not the most merciful. Yeah, I'm not. Maybe there's something to that. But what's omitted? God's calling on my life. God's promise of his uh, fulfillment of his promises. God's activity is ever-present. God's attributes are absent out of that. But this is why this is such a great uh, enemy, or excuse me, a great uh, weapon for the enemy, right? A person full of faith is what? I believe. Uh, I believe in God. I believe in the gospel. I believe what Christ has done. I believe in the sufficiency of Christ. I believe God loves me, not just today, but eternally, all those in Christ. I believe. That's a person of faith. A person who is discouraged, and especially when discouragement is left unchecked, begins to doubt all of those things. Did he really love me? Am I really saved? What a great tactic. He can get just, just walking around in circles in a minute, right? You just go in circles. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. We notice this, and proof of this is Tobiah. Tobiah refers to the wall as theirs, their wall. See, he doesn't know. He doesn't know this is not their wall. This work is God's work. It is God's Wall. Enemy is omitting it. See, people who are discouraging you, when the enemy comes to discourage you, often miss what God is doing. And the problem is, if we're the ones receiving the discouragement, we begin to forget. 
Yeah, God is actually doing something here. We become unsure, unconfident. See, just as, as they had legal rights, they, they had letters. I mean, Nehemiah could have said, look at the scroll, buddy. Right? I've got letters. The king of Persia said, we're not only can we be here, we can build these walls. You can, you can shout all you want, but this is what's going on. You too. You're legally, right, justified in Christ Jesus. If you've come to, to Calvary, if you've repented of your sins. All those lies in which the enemy tries to throw back in you, the stuff from the past. Look who you are. Point him to Calvary. You're right, I can't fix that, but the one and the only one who has come fixed it. That's our confidence. Listen to Hebrews 10, 38 and 39. But my righteous one shall live by faith. That's us. We're going to live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith in the preserving of the soul. Brothers, sisters, we are not of those who shrink back. There is a work. The enemy wants to discourage you and get you off task. God has called you, and you will see over and over again in this passage, God has given them a heart to work. They keep getting the job done. Even though the attacks ramp up, the job is still getting done. That's some focused people. Nehemiah, how does he respond? He doesn't say, let's get a committee together. Let's have a debate over this thing. Right? Let's have a holy huddle and discuss this. Oh, he prays. Here's a good point for us. Prayer should not be a last resort. It's a first. It's a first responder prayer. Enemy attacks, first response, prayer. How do we demonstrate our reliance upon God? Prayer. Let's commit this to the Lord. Look what he prays. He prays for the Lord's mercy. Hear, O God, how we are despised. I mean, he knows God's omnipresent. You hear the accusations, Lord, here's what's going on. And then he prays, right, God, go to work, go to battle, take care of this problem. Get after them, Lord, with their own, their own plan of destruction, turn it back on them. Can we pray like this? Yeah, I believe so, as long as we're not violently des desiring their destruction, but that the Lord would turn them, Right? To that way, let them enjoy what they have devised. I believe our heart is always to see repentance, right? But notice the result here. Uh, we don't see right in this passage, at least with this prayer, that God says, okay, here it is. I'm going to bring the heavy. And I'm going to take them and wipe them out, does he? What is the response? The people had a mind to work. I didn't see that anywhere in his prayer request. Lord, give us a mind to work. He prayed, Lord, deal with the enemies. What does God do? He, he gives them this wonderful gift. They all have a mind to work. See, I think you know, Satan wants to stop you and to get you to just, just don't be a voice. Yeah, I can't take you out of the Lord's grip, 
If I could, I would, but I'm going to discourage you. But what does God bless us with in those moments? He gives us a mind to continue on. This is what prayer does. There's no difference in the enemies. There's a big difference in the people. You can imagine the, the people thinking, I don't know, well, there's just some accusations. He's very, he's, very, uh, he's very angry now. But God gives them a mind to work. I mean, God take care of the enemy is answered by God taking care of his people. It tells us something, right? There's a job to be done. The, the work is to be accomplished, and God is blessing them with a mind to work. Uh, brothers and sisters, if, if you're feeling that weight of accusations or something right coming against you, your answer is prayer. Lord, um, let the, the Lord remind you of what this is about. Don't, don't be a deflected or, or, or uh, deflated in any way. Continue the work and pray that the Lord give me a, uh, just a resolve and a confidence here, Father, that I would continue to move forward. In the process of praying, too often we pray, right? We pray for those in conflict. And we aren't necessarily merciful with those in conflict. God calls us, right? Pray for them, yes. But, but realize what the Lord is doing. His answer may not be to change the situation. His answer may be to change you in the midst of it. So this is our first lesson. We see the accusations. We'll begin to see this uh, crescendo, if you will, going to verses 7 through 9. I uh, say that schemes are, are met with prayer and watching. Listen to these verses. Now when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repair of the walls of Jerusalem went on and that the breaches began to be closed, they were very angry. Now all of them conspired. Now we have a growing group of people conspiring together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause a disturbance in it. Here's the contrast. Here's, here's the advice. But we prayed to our God, and because of them, we set up a guard against them day and night. The accuser works day and night. We're going to put up a guard day and night. It's bad enough when we experience somebody uh, scheming against us, if you will. It's, it gets worse when there's multiple people. Right now you feel completely outnumbered. But what is the answer to this? An answer is a spiritual action. Again, prayer, all of this is spiritual, but it is also a physical action. Listen to Ephesians 6.11, again, against our enemy. Uh, Paul says, put on. Now, don't be passive here. Put on the full armor of God. Study God's word. Put it to work in your life so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. He's a schemer. He's an accuser. It manifests with the people we interact with, things we have to deal with. These guys are getting angry. We see an element of completion here. The breaches are about to be closed. The enemy hates when there's progress being made. And he rages against anything, right? If you're standing out and you're praying and now you're proclaiming Jesus, you're going to make them mad. It's okay. Make them mad. <laughs> Too often we'll say, well, I don't know. He's, he's, did you see the look on his face? He's very angry. Now, I'm not talking responding in, in anger. We're called to love. But we're not called to back down. We're called to be a voice. 
So we notice that the enemy is getting a little bit more serious, all of them conspiring. So on one hand, we see uh, this is pretty serious. You can imagine, again, the people, right? The church. We hear these things, pastors, going on. Uh, there's a cause to be fearful here. So in one sense, we can say yes, but on the other sense, we can say no. Do they attack? No. We learn something about this scheme of the evil one, right? He, he desires to, right, to kind of tie you up, to get you fixed on, if you will, the threat itself. If that threat came and all we do is talk about that threat, well, we're not talking about advancing the kingdom anymore, are we? And that's kind of what we see. Hey, there's a big, uh, big threat here. Uh, there's a way in which he wants to confuse God's people. Some of us are, I don't know, I'm fearful. I don't know what to do, right? He, he wants to just kind of get us all in a bunch of knots. I don't know how we move forward. But here's the strategic response. Pray. Watch. Is he really going to do this? Pray and watch. See, how does the question we're addressing here is, you know, those building into the church is, how, how does Satan confuse us? How does he scheme against us? He distracts you with his tricks. But, but Nehemiah says, we prayed. When did we pray? We weren't distracted by... This, this failure on their part to, to come and actually attack. We, we prayed, but we didn't, we didn't simply just pray and walk away. We're not the super spiritual that said, I prayed once, it's good, I don't have to pray again. No, we're actually going to pray, and now we're all going to do something. We're going to stand guard. We're going to put someone out there day and night who's going to keep a watch out. So I think there's a great spiritual lesson for us here. Too often in our own walk with the Lord, we just simply, Lord, I'm struggling in this area, and we pray, yes and amen, good job. But maybe uh, we need a little bit more than prayer. Maybe we need to do some watching. See, we like to pray and say, Lord, I'm, I'm struggling in this area, but we're, we're really tempted to go do that one struggle, to go, go pursue that one sin. I prayed about it, but I still struggle. Well, maybe it's time you put somebody else in your life who's aware of that, who will watch guard for you and with you. Maybe we need somebody to give attention, right? My flank, my left flank over here, I get attacked here. Well, then bring another brother or sister into your life who will pray with you. It will be accountability, accountability to you. I think too often we just go, well, we pray the Lord hasn't delivered me, so I'm going to continue. Try finding that anywhere in Scripture. But we'll justify this. We'll lie to ourselves. We'll think, I'm, I'm super spiritual. The desire is real. I want to change. I don't know how to change. Well, maybe we, we should pray, continue to pray, and bring somebody else into this environment who can walk with me through it. And God didn't design us to walk alone. Set a guard. Friend, I'm tempted. I'm going to pray. Let's pray. Come over. Let's going to do something else. See, our prayers do not replace our actions. They make our efforts effective for God's work. Notice day and night, there's a determination. Where does, when does the enemy attack? 
when you're least thinking, right? When you're most tired, when you're most hungry, that's when he attacks. But this message of determination, we're going we're gonna to communicate. We're going to communicate to God that, that we're going to succeed. We're going to communicate to God's people, excuse me, that we're going to succeed. I put a watch. Imagine all those struggling with fear. Nehemiah says, put a watch. He's communicating to everyone laboring on the wall. We're good. Uh, Press on in the work. We got someone watching our backs. We're good. Let's keep going. It's a message to the enemy. Hey, we're not taking this lightly. We got a job to do, and we're going to keep an eye on you. It communicates that we also are going to bring some fight to this. We're not just going to cower in the corner. It's a message also to God that we're stepping up and standing forward. Lord, we trust you with this battle, and we're not not lacking common sense. We're going to put someone to watch this. So the question comes to us, spiritual application. What what message are we sending to ourselves? What part of your life of day and night are you saying, I'm I'm going to put my guard down here so I can enjoy that there? So you realize you're in a battle. You're, you're, the, the Bible calls you to put not some of the armor on. It calls you to put all of it on. And not take it off. So what do we see here? They're spiritually alert. We prayed. They're physically watching. There's action. We're putting on. We're reading. We're putting things into place. I'm getting somebody in my life. I'm developing accountability. I'm asking questions of my elders. I'm growing in my theology. I'm trusting Jesus. I'm grabbing that cross and I'm moving forward. Listen to Paul, 2 Corinthians 10.5. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That's you and I, brothers and sisters. That's us. Too often we we allow things that that enter into our minds through what shows we watch or social media that sucks our attention and pretty soon we've imbibed the world philosophy or ideology and we can't seem to just, I'll just say we'll compromise. Let's just say it like that. We compromise our own convictions. We should be going the other way. Stand. I know we're not perfect. I know we're going to struggle. I know it's a war. This is what I'm saying. What do we need? Each other. God, his spirit with us, watching, praying. Listen to Paul again in Galatians 6, 9. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Remember where you're heading. Remember what's ahead of you. So we see, right, there is accusations met with prayer schemes, prayer and watching. The enemy's going to attack. He's gonna, he knows when you're tired. This is my fourth one, just verse 10, discouragement. I want to point this verse out, even though the answer comes from the rest of the text. But here I just say, uh, discouragements are met with greater commitment. Listen to verse 10. Thus in Judah it was said, the strength of the burden bearers is failing. Yet there is much rubbish. And we ourselves are unable to rebuild the wall. Remember that we have we've heard the wall's halfway done. We're halfway done. We're getting, we're getting worn out though, aren't we? We're getting overwhelmed. The work is too great. I, I've labored, I'm exhausted, I'm tired. The wall's halfway built. The breaches are almost closed. 
What do we learn here, right? Judah, the strong, the bravest tribe, if you will, the tribe where Messiah comes from, they tell us, hey, the the burden bearers are failing. What a discouragement. I think halfway, half the halfway point is like the worst. I don't know if you've ever had a, have you ever got into running? Running is, is not good ever, right? But if you ever have done it, halfway through a run is like usually the worst. You're like, oh man, I don't know. We're only halfway. There's that moment of like, what am I doing out here? I don't know what I'm, I don't know what's going on. Fatigue sets in. You get discouraged, right? But we learned last week that the work needs to be completed. Half a wall doesn't help us. It doesn't protect us. See, many teams, many teams will go out and have a good first half. Second half, they'll stink. And in the overtime, they lose it, right? Still, still a little bitter. And that's the point. There's still time to lose. That's what you have to remember. We want to finish well. We want to be those who come into glory and say, Lord, I left it all out there. I left it all out there. When I was weak, I leaned upon your strength, not my own. I called upon my brothers and sisters. Lord, I stand. I want to finish well. My wife was one of those runners at one point in her life, and just to tell her she was crazy, but she continued to do it, and she ran a, a marathon one time, and I was at the finish line listening for the runners to come in, and there was one runner, I remember the guy talking, and the person was able to sprint a marathon, 26 points, too many miles, right? Or is it 216, 226, 24, 2, 6, yeah. It's all long, it's all too long, right? <laughs> Then there's, there's ultra marathon. Okay, I'm going to get on that. But I remember the, the, the guy saying this person was able to run the marathon and sprint across the line. And the guy said, yeah, oh, you left too much, you know, too much in the tank. You didn't leave it out there. I forget how he said it. But I remember going, oh, you want to be the ones where you, it's all spent. And that last step across the line is that, that moment of just falling over. Right? I kind of think it's like that in our lives. When we get to heaven, Lord, I left it out there. See, there's rubbish. That's our problem. We're holding on to too much rubbish. They use rubbish. Remember the wall? In some parts, they had to just knock the whole wall down and move all the bricks and all the stuff to actually be able to rebuild. They just couldn't just build. So there's stuff. You can imagine the collection of stuff, right? There's a wall torn down. There's kind of a somewhat of a dump. We just throw other garbage there and junk, right? You can imagine some parts of the wall probably were like that. So when the Judah is coming and saying, look, we're exhausted, and they've been hauling rubble off, and they've been rebuilding, and they've been cleaning and rebuilding, and there's a lot of rubbish that has to be hauled off, and we're losing heart, we're getting overwhelmed. We're getting discouraged. Let's see, in order for us to really build properly, the clearing of the rubbish is necessary. I mean, what a, what a spiritual lesson for us, even though it's physical stuff they're hauling off. I mean, what are we holding on to in our lives? It's just rubbish. We want to be good warriors for the king. We want, to, we want to battle well. We want to stand for the truth. But too often, the Lord has to do too much work on us. We're not ready for those things. We're holding on to rubbish. 
And the work was difficult. Why was it difficult? It's always easier to just simply build than to tear down and rebuild. I mean, it was difficult because there's parts of the wall. They're going to have to knock this down before we can build it. It made the city vulnerable. We may feel like that in our own lives. I, I don't know what to do here. I don't like feeling vulnerable. I like this idea of false security. I'm going to hold on to my rubbish. It's difficult because there's always someone who said this is the way to do it. You don't have to let go of those things, right? Grandpa so-and-so and Uncle Joe, they did it this way. You can do it this way too, right? There's always that guy. Never against Scripture. It's always like, you know, it's fine. But the answer to discouragement is to deal with the rubbish. Cast away the rubbish. Repent of our sins. Cleanse ourselves, right? Lean into the Lord. Trust his sufficiency. When discouragement strikes, what do we end up doing? Of course, we question. Am I doing the right thing? Has the Lord even called me? What, what happens to a discouraged person? They feel defeated. They're not going to finish the task. They're going to leave it undone. What, is, what does Satan want to do? He wants to discourage you so you would disbelieve the promises. Isn't God the one who told us? He's with us. He'll never forsake us. Is he not accessible and closer than a brother? Is he not always with us, ready? And immediately, as, as Peter began to sink, he cried out, and the word is immediately he went to his aid. Is that not who our God is? And too often, we'll just allow the rubbish to just weigh us down. You can hear the words of the Hebrew writer, cast off these sins that easily entangle us and run this race. Friend, if you're discouraged this morning, I encourage you through prayer, cast that rubbish down. Lean upon the Lord. Call upon him to be your strength and your might. Ask that he would fill you afresh and anew with his spirit. Let's not walk as discouraged Christians, but as victorious Christians. So we see here, right, accusations met with prayer. We see schemes are met with prayer and watching, discouragement, met with a greater commitment, right? I know whom I have believed. And lastly, right, the attacks, as we see this crescendo a little bit more, we see the attacks are met, what I call, with spiritual and physical armament. So this is verses 11 through 23, and this is what we read. Our enemies said they will, they will not know or see us until... Uh, we come among them, kill them, and put, the, uh, put a stop to the work. When the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times, they will come up against us from every place where you may turn. And then I stationed men in the lowest parts of the space between the wall, uh, the exposed places, and I stationed the people in families with uh, their swords, spears, and bows. And when I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the nobles, uh, the officials, and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. And when the enemies heard that it was known to us that the God had frustrated their plan, then all of us returned to the wall, each one to his work. Continues on. From that day on, half of my servants carried on the work while half of them held 
uh, the spears, the shields, the bows, and the breastplates, and the, and the captains were behind the whole house of Judah. Those who were rebuilding the wall and those who carried burdens took their load with one hand doing the work and the other holding a weapon. As for the builders, each wore his sword girded at his side as he built while the trumpeter stood near me. I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, and we are separated on the wall far from one another. At whatever place you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. Amen, Nehemiah. So we carried on the work with half of them holding spears and dawn, excuse me, from dawn until the stars appeared. At that time, I said to the people, let each man with his servant spend the night within Jerusalem so that they may be a guard for us by night and a laborer by day. So neither I, my brothers, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us removed our clothes, each took his weapon, even to the water. A bunch of people ready for the fight. But see, this again, it speaks to our adversary. John 10.10, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. That is his, his primary objective, your destruction. And what do we see here, right? We see the challenge from the outside. Now, the, the people are discouraged. We just looked at that verse, verse 10. We're discouraged. We're tired. Isn't it convenient that now, I, I would think that Sanballat and Tobiah don't know the people are as discouraged as they are, but the enemy truly does. When does the attack normally come? When can you expect a spiritual attack in your life? Probably when you're most tired, you're most discouraged. When you're maybe you're prideful, right? You're right, you're self-righteous, puffed up. Remember when Satan tried to attack our Savior? Just think of that. He tried to attack our Savior, which is amazing. But when did he do it? When he started his 40-day fast? Or when he ended it? When he ended it. So we see this charge from the outside. They, they're saying it. They will not know or see us until we come upon them. Right? They won't know. We're going we're to go after them. We're going to kill them and put a stop to the work. They have decided amongst their own volition that this is how we end it. Do you see a parallel to Christ? How did the Pharisees and the Sadducees, what did they conclude? How do we end this Jesus stuff? Let's kill him. Clearly Satan is behind this. We can kill them and end this. We notice, so there's our problem. We notice in verse 12 that God provides guidance, doesn't he? Uh, there are some Jews who are listening in. They talk about their, their plan. There are some Jews who are listening. And what do they do? They record what they're going to do. And they report it to Nehemiah and to the leaders. Here's the plan. Here's what they're going to do. They've got inside information. The Lord has saw fit that they would know, here's the plan, here's what they're going to do, and here's what you need to do to, to, to change right, that trajectory. And it's interesting, 10 times, right? Emphasis on, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. Hey, this is what's going to happen, right? Imagine that. 
What we see in that is they, they have forgotten. This group has forgotten who fights for them. See, Nehemiah doesn't forget. What a lesson in leadership. He could have responded and said, you know, there's, there's nothing to do here. It's the same as it was yesterday. Don't worry about it. He could have, he could have panicked, I guess. Um, you know, maybe I, I misunderstood, but none of that's here. He, he trusts in who has called him. He trusts that God has placed him. He first commands them, right? He sees the fear. He sees it. He commands them. I station the people and families with their swords, spears, and bows. Here's the command. He reminds them, right? That fear. Do not be afraid. Remember the Lord is great and awesome. I wish we had a bigger word than awesome. Right? God is bigger than that word. I mean, that doesn't even come close, but he's the one who is awesome. It reminds them. And then he brings it right, brown, right back to reality. You're laboring for what? Your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your houses. This is what this is about. The glory of God. The power of God demonstrated. The Lord working through you. So what does the enemy do when, when, when this, when, when Christians start to get serious, when believers are going, hey, this is what's at stake here. I'm, I'm ready. Count me in. What we see in verse 15, when the enemies heard this, and it was known, right, that God had frustrated their plan, well, they bailed. The work on the wall continues. But I want to point out something here. The, 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 the victory is not simply that the, the enemy had this plan and, and it got forwarded right by God and those who'd listened. That's not the victory. The victory is really coming and continuing despite this. See, the challenge was there. The, the plan was there. And they responded by what? We're going to put things into place. We're going to be wise here. But, but the victory is the continuing of the work of the building. What a principle for us. Don't stop working. Don't stop moving forward. And if God is with you, God is with you, right? The enemy is the one who backs off. And Nehemiah says, okay, this is, this is, here's the plan, right? He goes into verses 16 and 17. Here's a personal tactical plan, if you will, right? Here is the work and the weapon. Here's how you guys are going to do it from here on out. If you're serving, you do this. If you're a builder, you're doing that. But, but all along, you're going to have a sword on one side. What a, what a picture for us of laboring in the church. The sword represents, right, combating spiritual forces, Knocking down bad theology, false theology, false ideology, right? Speaking truth to what is false. And the trowel on the other side speaks to building up the people of God. I, I pray that. I'm going to start praying that for every single one of you. That you'd be marked with a hand on the sword and a hand on the trowel. We're to build the church. We're to defend the church. And then we also see in the remaining verses, 19 through 23, there's a situational tactical plan, if you will. The work is great, extensive, or separated. I'm going to have my servant with me. He's going to have a trumpet. Praise the Lord, you get a trumpeter. Right? And so what do they do? They carried on the work. 
They dedicated themselves from sunrise till the stars appeared. Come sleep inside the walls. Sleep here, labor during the day. See, the point is they were ready to respond. The moment of the trumpet. What a picture of us today. Are you ready to respond at the moment of the trumpet? So we need to have this attitude, always ready. We're always clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We have the, all the armor on, not some of it. We have all of it. We're ready. And when that trumpet blasts, I pray we are those who will be right with the Lord, ready to gather. See, you and I are in a war. We're in a battle. Are you ready? Accusations are going to come. They're to be met with prayer. Schemes are going to happen. They're to be met with prayer and starting to watch. How does the enemy attack? How does he bring me down? How does he stop this ministry? How is he going to angle here? What's his play there? Discouragements are going to happen. I'm only halfway with the work. It's only halfway done. It feels overwhelming. Place your life in Christ. Lean upon him. Draw from him. And then attacks are met with spiritual and physical armament. It is a spiritual war. But you must put on. You must be ready. You must be clothed. You must be studying. You must be memorizing. It's just like the, the, this dream at the beginning. And I pray we're not a church with one devil outside sleeping. But we are those who commune with God, who know who God is. Those who pray and read his word, who take it seriously, who are growing in holiness and obedience, who are ready and call these tactics for what they are. We're going to close here, and we're going to sing this is a Getty song, Old Church of Rise. And I just want to read verse 1. Though all the verses are good, but I just want to read verse 1. The words say this, O church, arise and put your armor on. Hear the call of Christ, our captain. For now the weak can say that they are strong in the strength that God has given. With shield of faith and belt of truth will stand against the devil's lies. An army bold whose battle cry is love reaching out to those in darkness. Let us be that church. We're not perfect by no means, but we are those who are moving forward by the grace of God and by the power of his spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth, uh, the challenging truth of this passage.